Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. and welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, we're talking all about power, and that power is in you. The power is you. So, this is a great episode. And uh, first off, election day today. If you haven't gotten out and voted, make sure you exercise your democratic right to go do so. Um, It allows you to you know, just basically say that I voted today. I voted a long time ago, and that's uh, that's all I have to say about that. So, I think it'd be weird if I didn't mention it, but... uh, the power is yours to exercise that right. So, um, so David. Um, if they're in the States. If they're, yeah, in the U.S. I mean, for our listeners across the world, I'm sure you're paying attention to what is happening today because we certainly are as well. But um, let's talk a little bit about this this universal mind because it's okay, it's fascinating it. to me because you know this is a, another episode that you talked about the hidden your hidden power by Thomas Troward and That's also right. the three magic words by U.S. Anderson. Uh, if you haven't listened to episode three hundred two, go back and listen to that. That was desire and destiny one and the same. You basically sort of lumped these episodes together yeah. and used two very impactful works uh, of uh, those two gentlemen. So in this episode, we're talking specifically about the power behind the desire and essentially the power that is the universe. Uh, You brought in the fact that, you know, we're fighting against each other in a way instead of working towards resolution. So what we're seeing is we were this intense desire to make people wrong. I feel like that's sort of been this whole, like the way things have been happening in our, in our country for, you know, quite some time now over the past few years. So I guess the conundrum that I would like to know more about is how you see how we've gotten to this fractured place. Like what causes the human mind to get to a place where we're so intense on making people wrong that we just sort of throw truth to the side and mire ourselves in it. I think it's when we, whenever we started going down the path of throwing our values away and not replacing them. So we, we, you know, we, as a, as if you study history, you can see that with a lot of different things over history that started to come about, um, and I'm not necessarily talking about, uh, you know, important things from, I'm not like talking about religion or sure. politics or whatever. Like you, 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 you could see it. It happened over a long period of time. Uh, alcohol coming in, uh, music, jazz music, blues music, rock and roll, um, long hair, you know, like all kinds of different things. The argument against these things all the time was we're throwing our values away, right? And this is going to lead to incarceration and murder and rape and, you know, all of this. The, the, the way that I see it is that the people that actually said those things were not that far off. Um, not that far off in the sense that that thing in and of itself would not lead to that. That, that, I think they were completely incorrect there, but it would lead to it over a period of time because once we start removing the values in which made, which made us great um, without replacing them with something else or understanding how to create something different, we start to become a valueless society. And when we become a valueless society, we don't understand why we believe something. 
There's, so I think the reason that we have the problem now is because we have a lack of understanding of why we believe something, and and our belief has been focused outward onto everybody that's doing something is doing something wrong because it doesn't fit my view of the world. Without ever having said, does the value system, does my view of the world meet this value system? And maybe I should learn to adjust what I'm viewing here based on a proven value system, right? Because that's the way that we've kept society in check for a long time. We created values to live by, you know, as a society. And we try to, you know, stick to a basic standard of those values. But when you start throwing those values out because you find something wrong with them and then you don't replace them with anything at all, then it's a free-for-all. But what happens is it, I think it flips upside down. I think we flip into a complete victimization of society. So now it's all sides think they're victims instead of somebody saying, and I do think there's people out there that still, that still want to maintain values, but those values have become viewed by others as racist, oppressed, um, and all kinds of phobics. Like you name the whole sure. thing of, of, of different, of different phobics. And, and it's, it's the, the idea is that, uh, it's not those things. In most cases, it's not those things. But what it is, is it's telling a person in their mind that they're wrong for what they believe or what it is that they think. So there's a, there's an, a, an attack that goes against it. And that, I think that's the, the big problem that we have. So the, And what's even a bigger problem is that if we can't get down to a core belief as a society, the society can do nothing but split apart. Sure. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that it's only been accelerated in the information age, you know, being able to hide behind a computer screen and cyber bully another person and yell at another person. I, I, kinda... I think, I think, so let me just, let me sure. just say something. I think that amplified it. I yeah, think it's, okay. but it's sped always it up. been here. But I think, I think it's been a long time coming because for, for, so with every generation, you have a generation that's like, yeah, I don't want my parents' values. You know, like throw those values sure. out. Let's do what we want to do. But there's nothing replacing those values. So with every generation, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And what happens is when you throw those values out, there's all the sense of your own power gets thrown out also. And now I believe everybody's doing something to me. So I end up into an entitlement perspective. I end up in a victimized yeah. ideology. Um, and, and I believe that everybody else needs to change in order for me to feel safe, for me to feel whatever it is that I need to feel. And we can't, how do you get back to that if there's no common ground with a set of values for a country to begin to pick up the pieces and move forward? We need some commonality and it must start uh, with with a basic respect of each other in some way from a value perspective and then build upon that. Yeah, so what's interesting is how do you get there? Like we, it seems like it's been, like you said, system systemically eroded over time. It is. Which I think is a really interesting argument because I always default to, you know, the internet. Like it's, it's you know, cyberbullying and people going out there and you can say something behind a computer screen as opposed to saying it to a person's face. Um, but it's, it's over time that this has happened. So now that we're here, I guess my question is, you know, how do we, how do we use the power of the universe or the power that's inside of us to start making genuine change towards a more kinder, a more gentler, a more leading with the truth sort of mentality as a single person? You know, you, you're trying to get more and more people to come on, but it has to start with each person individually. I think a person has to really think. And they need to stop being so damn reactive in the world that we live in. And I, and I understand how difficult that is because what 
what technology has done is it's put it in everybody's face. It's put every problem of the world in everybody's face. And there's no one person that can deal with, with that. It, it just shatters the psyche. It's extraordinarily unhealthy. It, it, it's not good at all. But the people that are angry, um, they're not looking to solve a problem. They're looking to create more of a problem. They think that the only way to solve a problem is to destroy everybody that they believe is the problem. And or or force them to think that the way that they think, and neither one of those two things is going to happen. It just it just it's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, even if you created a totalitarian society, it's not going to happen. Like people, you, they may they may not say something, but you can bet your bottom dollar they're thinking something different. Uh, we know that just in in the stories that we've heard for people that came out of Nazi Germany and and came out of Russia, you know, and Italy, and you know, it's just Vietnam. Like we 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 know, but. A person has to be like thinking something. There's there's more that's going on than than meets the eye, and the question is, what is it? Because this makes no sense from a universal life perspective at all. It makes absolutely none. The problem is when once the problem is projected onto an individual, we're taking the modus operandi of life out of the picture altogether. So if I have to, if I have to have you change for me to be better, then we're both going down a, down a dark road. The idea is how do I fix me? Stop thinking about everybody else. But here's the problem. A big part of this problem is that people think that they're victims. They believe it to their fucking core that they're victims. And until they're willing to step out of that and consider that they actually have control over their own life, there is no change for those people. None whatsoever. And they will continue to attack because a victim is scared. You're a victim. You're scared. You know, you look at any victim in, in nature, right? You know, a rabbit is running for its life if a fox is chasing it, you know, um, but it's only running when the fox is chasing it. You know what I mean? So if a person thinks they're a victim and they think that everybody in the world is at, you know, after them or a certain part of people are after them, they're going to do things uh, based out of the victim mindset, which is going to be respondent anger and defensiveness and righteousness. And we don't get to a truth when we come from that place. Yeah. What's interesting about that is, you know, the title of this episode is the power is in you. The power is you, you, there is the exact opposite of power is victimhood, like living within the victim. So if you are an individual who is very quick to trigger around certain things and it feels like things are being done to you, you're not really looking inward and realizing that you're creating each and every one of those things. So you've in effect given away your power and now you're living this let's be honest, miserable existence when you are mired in victimhood. So your stance is the power resides in you to make that change, make that shift, but you have to be willing. So if an individual, like one of the things that's helped me through all of this leading up to this, you know, election in our country is that I've been able to see both sides more clearly. Before I was very clearly on one side and I've started to realize that there's power in listening and there's power in understanding. And that came from within me because I was just getting so triggered and angry. Mm -hmm. It's not a good way to live your life. So for me, I've been able to see all sides and really that's what's truth is coming in. Truth is coming in. But like you said, we all carry in our pocket the window into the world. Like this cell phone that we have is always out there. And we had a conversation off air about when you're 
completely surrounded by it day in and day out and inundated with messages, it's very difficult to separate yourself, even if you have a successful mind. Like, even if you have created a bubble, it still kind of gives you a little bit of that, not to be disrespectful, that PTSD sort of things that are going on. So I guess, you know, all of that to say it's been around forever, it'll continue to be around, but if we look inward and change ourselves good things can come out of that. And I hope that that's the case with yeah, it can. what's going on in the it, world. It, it can. Yeah. So let me go into U.S. Anderson because you, you pulled a quote out that I loved and I kind of want to bring that up and have you break it down for us again because I think it's very impactful. Um, Anderson said, every thought you entertain and accept becomes a part of you and inevitably, inevitably, excuse me, will bring you to the physical reality of your image. All choice is made in the mind and all acceptance is made by the spirit. And there are not billions of mind in the world at all, but only one, and it is inside every one of us. Can you break down what Anderson maybe meant when he spoke about that universal mind that is inside of every single one of us? He's talking about the mind of God, or he's talking about the mind of the universe. It's the it's the intelligence. Whether you believe that there is a grand architect of the universe like a god, or you believe that it's just the universe and energy and intelligence, whatever you believe... That is the one mind that he's talking about. And you know, for years I've said that there there is no place that's more spiritual than another. It, everything is equal. We're created inside of this truth bubble uh, because nothing could exist outside of it. There is no external uh, negative force in the universe that's trying to destroy us. It is just one force that is constantly cycling and moving in a very specific direction, and that direction is life. So when you start to understand that, um, you can you can start to begin to understand that anything that does not add to life takes away from it, right? So there is a cause and effect in the universe, which we're part of, right? So, you know, two people had sex, and we are the effect of those two people coming together in that union. But now we are a cause within a causation of cause and effect. And we can cause our own life to be or not to be whatever it is that we think or don't think that it should be. That's what we can do. But when we do that, we're tapping into an idea. And at some point, you have to ask yourself, well, where did that idea come from? It's not just mine. I'm receiving it on some level. If the, like when Steve Jobs had a vision for this phone in his life, he didn't create this vision. It became part of something he was receiving. He was aligning his mind on a level to receive the knowledge that was already here. You know, it, uh, it, it could be um, uh, um, uh, Thomas Edison with a light bulb. There were no light bulbs, right? I mean, at least Jobs had a phone before he created the iPhone, but there were no light bulbs before Edison created the light bulb. Where was it? It was, it was in this knowledge that's in the universe. Well, everything that we create is in there, including the ideas that we have or the ignorance of those ideas. When, when we tap into that universal mind, we have to remember that mind is for life. When we think it's not that or we go into fear, we discount that and we then become separated from it and we see the opposite of that, which creates more fear. But now we're not in the mind. We're in our mind, our ego mind, and I'm looking at you as being the cause of my problem. And if I don't have any power, I have to destroy you to get rid of my problem. Sure. And that's the problem that we have in the world right now. But incidentally, that problem has been in the world forever. 
it's not, not a new. This is well, not no, new. It, no, like if you're religious, you go back to you go back to Cain and Abel. It was yeah, right, right there, right? Yeah. I got to get rid of you, brother. True. You know, I mean, like it was. It's it, it's always it's always been there. But if even if you look at that story, what was the what was the cause of him killing his brother? It was envy, right? So envy says what? I don't have the same power that my brother did, right? God favored him over over me. The truth is, is that that's a misconception. But once a person moves to that misconception, then a person becomes their problem. And they're not their own problem. So this is why I wanted to teach this lesson, because the idea is, if we want to come back to how do I actually have the power to create my own life, which everybody does, I have to understand that power first. Sure. I, because we're so disconnected from it in so many ways, without understanding it, we'll think, well, that's the biggest freaking nonsense that I ever heard in my life. Or that's religious heresy. Or like we'll have every excuse to explain it away. But the truth is, if we would open our damn eyes, we see it all around us. We could not create the world that we've created, good and bad, without having that power in us. And every person has it. Yeah, that, that's great. Uh, what, I, what I love about that discussion about the universal mind is that it is all, it is inside of us. Like when you, when you talked briefly about, you know, we, the idea didn't necessarily come from you, but it came through you. So I really, I find it just fascinating that during the time of the caveman, the, uh, the way to make the, the iPhone was here. It was in, right. it was in the ether. It's, right. It just blows my mind. And, and even, you know, like teleportation, like they do in Star Trek, that someday, it, the idea is here. Someday that will be able to happen. It really blows your mind when you think about the ideas are always here and they're here right now. You just have to be able to tune into that frequency and pull them in. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just so it's Here's the thing with my phone, right? We have these phones that basically, if anybody else has a phone like this, we can reach them anywhere in the world instantly. Right. And But here's the thing. I have to know the frequency that you're on to reach you. Yeah. So your frequency is in my life as far as a number. If I put that number in here, it doesn't matter where in the world you are. As long as you can get a signal, we're on the same frequency and we can talk to each other. It's, it's very representative of everything else. Everything in the world is on a frequency. If we think on a certain frequency, we will think, if I focus, how do I create this object that does this, allows me to talk to other people, and I keep focusing on it and focusing on it and focusing on it, I'm downloading more information on how that's possible. I try different things, putting them together and see if they work. That's how we invent something, Correct. right? But the knowledge is already here. Yeah, it just, it hurts my head when I think about that. Like, I think back to, like, say, filmmaking. During the, the silent film era, it was one thing. And now over the weekend, I just mainlined the entire Lord of the Rings extended editions to see <laughs> to see the computer-generated images yeah. that are done versus, you know, Charlie Chaplin running around with a, with a cane and, and a funny walk. It it was always here. It's just as the technology and as the, as the people began to tune into that frequency, they brought it into existence, it just totally blows my mind. But it does show you there's a guiding principle at work there, and that universal mind is something that people are tapping into on a daily basis. Yeah, 100%. It's just, it, it makes my head hurt, but at the same time, I love it. It's so great to be growing up in this, in this time. Um, and it, it's kind of a segue into my next question where you did mention cause and effect. And you talk about that a lot on the show. You said that everything we see has an intelligent component to it, which I absolutely love. And, um, you talked about cause and effect and specifically becoming one with the desire. 
And we as humans are in a unique position because we have a superior intellect. It's what separates us from animals and inanimate objects. When we're tapping into the truth that is inside us, uh, the creation process takes hold and then things begin to happen really quickly and regularly. So I want you to, I'm always doing this to you, but I want you to take us back to when you were first tapping into that truth that is the universal law. Uh, would you explain sort of maybe the feelings and the emotions that you felt and how it helped move you to this place of massive success you experience today? Well, I can't, I can't explain that without, without referring back to my childhood again, because I feel like that the, the, the lessons and all and everything that I teach today, they were questions in my mind since I was a little kid. And it, it, being a little kid with those questions in your mind is kind of a fucked up situation because there was no place for me to get answers. People didn't understand the questions that I had. They were not formulated intelligently now the, the way that they are now, but they were wonderings in my mind. I wondered about stuff like this when I was really little, you know. Um, probably back to three years old. I mean, I have some very specific, according to my mother anyway, very specific memories about things that I was thinking when I was two that they were very concerned with. Not from a bad perspective, but how could I be thinking those things? And you would and ask those out loud? Would. Would you, so I you would, would actually or ask I would a make question. Statements. Okay. I, yeah, I would make statements or, or I would ask questions. Um, but, you know, when you're little... At first, it's like, ah, it's cute, right? And then you get to this stage where it's like, oh, no, he's being a shit disturber. That's what he's, you know, he's an instigator. That's what's actually going on. And I wasn't. I wasn't trying to cause trouble. I wasn't trying to do anything like that. I was trying to understand the dichotomy, the, the, the opposites of what I was experiencing at that, at that time in my life. It just made no sense to me. And I was really looking for something that made sense. So I think that that was just in me, part of my DNA as a human being. Like it was, it was what led me to my purpose. Those questions never went away, but I suppressed them for a while because we go through our teenage years and we're off on a, you know, a little bit of a, digi a, a different tangent sure. there. But then they came back to the surface when I left home, I saw I left home at 17 and I really went out on my own and, and struggled for several years. Um, I think I got married when I was like 21. So 21, 22. So the 22, I got married when I was 22. And then really quickly within a, with a short period of time after that, things started to go downhill really bad. And it was because I was not prepared to take care of a family. I had no business trying to, from a, from a responsibility standpoint, I had no business trying to take care of a family, but that was what I set up for myself. So I had to figure it out. But what it did was it brought these things back to the surface again. They were always under the surface. I was so ingrained in the mess that I had created. I didn't really have a whole lot of time to try to figure out the rest of life. I was just like, how the hell do I pay my bills? How do I get out of this bad apartment? How do I get a better job? How can I learn a different skill set? That was the, the, the thing that was going on. But because my brain works the way that it works, it led me down a road that had me experiencing answers to my question, like the very first breakthrough that I had where it tripled my income and was like, whoosh, like, what is that? What's interesting about that is that I've thought about that over the years, and I've met a lot of people that had somewhat of a similar experience in their life and never went down the same road that I went down. It was just kind of like, oh, frick, I got lucky as hell. Thank God that happened. And they're still working in the same job that they got a break in 40 years ago or, or whatever it was, 
for me, it did something different. It said there's something here that, that's possible that you don't understand and, and you need to study it. So I started just devouring all the information that I could get my hands on at the time, which was difficult because we didn't have Google then, right? right? right. So like, did you ever sit and think, how the hell did we figure anything out without Google? <laughs> I think it had something to do with the Dewey Decimal System. I think that's coming into my head. Well, that's interesting because this book still has a cellophane on it from the library. There you go. That I got it from. Yeah, library kids are where you go to get books. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, like what's a library, right? Right. That's where I went. I went to libraries and I went to bookstores and I started picking up books. I mean, I would spend a whole weekend in a bookstore just picking up books and looking. I didn't know what I was even looking for. I had no idea what I was looking for. I was looking for something that I was that intrigued me, that was some kind yeah. of an answer. And then over a period of time, I started coming across one piece here, one piece there, which would lead me to something else. And then I would like read everything that that author did. And they would mention either other authors from the past or the present and other books or whatever. And it was one thing after another. And and it it I knew that there I was on a journey. I didn't know where it was taking me. But I was, I had a tremendous hunger for the knowledge. And I just, that's what I stayed doing. And, and what a gift that you gave yourself to go back and uncover that suppression that happened when you were asking those questions and you were being, quote unquote, a shit disturber. It, I'm sure that took place probably in church because that's where it took place for me. It took I had place all, every, everywhere. I everywhere. had all these questions and people would shut you down and because you were, it was a way to control, right? And we're going to control you and then you just basically bottled it up. But you went back and you opened that bottle. I would believe that there's a lot of people who have never gone back into that and uncovered or unearthed that bottle of suppression and it sort of rules their life. You know, it, it's it's sort of what you do with, you know, some of the events that you do. Yeah. It's, it's tapping into that inner knowing that was suppressed so many years to understand where that belief system comes from. Because yeah. more often than not, most people's belief system does not, it was not birthed from you. It came from someone else and you've, you're basically riding that wave that the person has given you. And I think the gift that we all get to receive every day from you is that you went back and you basically tapped into it and said, I'm no longer going to allow this to be suppressed. I'm going to continue to be inquisitive and information seeking, and I'm going to benefit others through that. I think the very first time that I had this experience, which was a weird experience for me, up until 10 years old, there were two adults. I'm not going to say who they were. It's not important. They were in my life on a regular basis. And then my mom and dad moved me and my brother to from Chicago to Phoenix. And we lived in Phoenix for just about three years, maybe just shy of three years. And we didn't see these two adults, okay? And when I came back, we moved back to Chicago three years later, and we were around these two adults. And I would observe them. I was thinking to myself, what happened to them? My first thought was, now you got to remember, I left when we were 10. I came back when I was 12 and a half, just shy of 13. I thought to myself, did something happen to them? Did they be, how did they get so stupid? That was, that was what was going on in my head. And it took me a while to realize that when I got out of their influence, I started to experience life different because I was around different adults. They did not. I had grown in two and a half years in my awareness. They had not at all. It took me a long time to know that that's what happened because I literally thought something happened to their brain when I came back. I was like, the way they see the world is freaking stupid. Like I'm 
I'm 12 and I know better than that. And this is how they see the world. And it was startling to me. Like it was very startling to me because I seriously thought something happened to them. But then a few years later, I realized that no, what happened was I was outside of that influence and my mind wasn't thinking that way anymore. And I got to experience people that had different opinion. They were differently educated. That was, it was totally different. And when I went back and saw them, they hadn't changed at all. I had changed. And I, and I never forgot that. And I remember when I got older that had such an, and actually the older I got, the more of an impact it had on me because I began to realize that if you stay around a certain group of people for too long, your mind is going to become that. You know what I mean? And if you put yourself around people that have a different viewpoint, it's going to allow you to expand your mind. Yeah. What it reminds me of is you really start to see, and you say this about your bank account, like you, you, your results are based on the the five people who are in your sphere of influence. So when you start to realize that, and there's been some, you've had to make, some tough decisions about who to keep in your sphere and who to keep out of your sphere. And it's not easy, you know, and a lot of times it boils down to family. Like the, the little contact I may have with this individual of my, uh, of my immediate family is better for me from a mental standpoint, because I want to be challenged by those around me. And it's interesting that you saw that at a young age between 10 and 13, you were able to recognize that most people probably wouldn't. So I would think that, you know, uh, a major aspect, of having a successful mind means bringing people into your life or going to events where you're around positive people, like you said, with your first Tony Robbins event, being able to see the possibility that's out there. And a lot of people, you know, have to make that difficult decision. You know, when I go home and I loved growing up where I grew up in Southwestern Montana, it was a great community. Uh, But when I go back there, I realize that for the people that never got out, you can see there's a different mentality. There's almost like an entitlement that comes with, with being there because, you know, the cost Copper mine was shut down 40 years ago, by the way, but it still very much looms as a large shadow over it. And it's very easy to get wrapped into, well, I, you know, I saved 80 cents on a head of lettuce and you start to think about all these. It is, you start to think about that. And, and by you agreeing with it, even being in there for a week or two, it subliminally, subliminally starts to affect you, I would say. So it's just really interesting that you bring that up. We become the environment that we stay in. Yes, absolutely. And if we don't change it, we be, that's it. We become it. There's no other choice. That's true. There's no other choice. It's it's a, it's a, it's a sad thing, but it also speaks to the adaptation of human beings. Like we have right. the ability to adapt to, to basically nothing and figure yeah. out how to survive. So true. Which can be a great resource, but if you don't know and you don't know that you don't know, you're not going to know unless somebody brings something on the outside. But the problem is, is that in the world that we live in today, people that bring things in from the outside are they're condemned. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we can close with this. So you talked about a person's current results being a symptom of a belief system they're living by. Yeah. If the results aren't there for you, you have to look at the belief that's behind it. So what does a person need to do in order to better understand those beliefs and what can they do to shift them? I can only assume that this is difficult to do it by yourself because your your mind's going to want to tell you that everything is okay, but there's a belief system running in the background. So I feel you need to have a mentor or somebody you can bring on that's going to help you see you that because you can't really do it alone, can you? you? I think you could do it alone to some extent, especially with, with how easy it is to get a hold of literature today. So you can type in questions in Google and get answers and they'll lead you in a direction where we couldn't when, when sure. you and I were 
were, were younger. Sure. It would, like you said, it was a Dewey Decimal yeah, System. Yeah, right. We had to go look through books or, or yeah. whatever, um, encyclopedias, that type of thing. I think a person needs to ask themselves where the belief system comes from, and they need to trace it back in, in its causality. Uh, I did a lot of that in my life. And you have to ask yourself, is this coming from fear or inspiration? Is this desire, this idea, or is this belief just there to try to keep me safe? Remember, human beings don't need safety. Children do because they're ignorant. Human beings operate on thought and cause and effect. So we don't need to have this absolute safety thing in our life. We should know or teach ourselves anyway how to be safe, which is making uh, good judgment decisions, thinking uh, based on cause and effect and, and the proper use of logic. But if the information that we're used to think is flawed, then we're going to make mistakes out of default like because the information that we're using is, is flawed. If I put bad parts in an airplane and I don't know it, the chances are the plane's going to come down because they were bad parts. But if I didn't know it, I didn't know it. The result's still the same. So we have to go and look, what is the information that's actually going on in my head? Where did it come from? These beliefs. Why did my parents have these beliefs? Why did their parents have these beliefs? And then you have to get into the proper literature and find out where it's coming from. You will come to a realization that there's a tremendous amount of information that was put out there to manipulate people for other people's agendas, and you have to make a choice as to what it is that you're going to believe for yourself. Because the information that will set you free it's, is out there. It's in books. It's in books. I have the books, right? They're, you just have to you, – you, I bring them to the podcast. We talk about it. So right. you have to put stuff in your head that makes sense. Ask yourself, is this going to take me better my life or is it going to make it worse? Period. I mean, there is no middle ground there. And that's where, how you have to make the decision. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I, I don't have anything else to say. I think it's perfect. So <laughs> thanks for coming inside. Happy voting day. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.